did the greatest NFL quarterback play during the 1980s? Huddle up and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the Idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. Hey everybody, my name is Will, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Ray. How's your day off? It's... To a start of some kind. <clears throat> Take two. You don't like that one? Uh, I, there's a verb in there, there's a noun. There's stuff in there. If I jotted them down, I could probably put them in the order you intended originally, but... Yeah, it doesn't matter what I say, because you know what I mean. I know the sentiment is how I'm doing, and I'm doing swell. Oh, you know, I was just about to say, and a little later we'll be speaking with, but we're not speaking with anybody. Yeah, there's nobody around today. And a little bit later, later I'll be speaking with you and you'll be speaking with me. Oh, hey, I just Uh. remembered something. I can imagine now the sign I was going to put behind you and me that says, (laughs) please like and subscribe and Ah. share. So we could do that right now. So, hey, everybody, pause for a moment before you get too busy, you know, unless you're driving. Are you driving? Well, if they are driving, they should just pull over to the side of the road. Pull over to the side of the road. There's plenty of spaces, shoulders, et cetera. Mm Mm-hmm. Use a grass, maybe. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of nice things you can find on the side of the road too. Okay, <laughs> Ray just gave me a look like maybe he's either hidden something there, and it, it could be a treasure or a body. It could be, could be either one. Time will tell. Or the sirens as they approach my house. <laughs> Please take a moment. It's free to like and subscribe us, and it helps us be able to do future shows. Um, that was one thing I wanted to say. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say was we're going to mix things up slightly in the sense that we're going to. Uh, slow things down a little bit. We're still going to continue to have a new episode every week. We're just going to change the fact that we, we're not going to have a guest every week. We're going to have a guest every other week until we run out of guests. And then we'll have to pretend there's guests here. Yes. And we'll make cardboard cutouts because if we go to the camera, then yes. we can and, pull the strings on the <laughs> Like a, either a Home Alone or Weekend at Bernie's. Or one of us could dress up in a costume. That's what I was thinking as soon as you said and, that. And no one would know because I wanna, wasn't a guest. What here. I would love to do is just tell you, Ray, we need somebody this week, man. You got to help me out. <laughs> I said we had a German physicist coming on. <laughs> Can you learn how to do a German accent and get like a, I don't know, a bowler hat or something? Um, I could grow a little mustache. <laughs> they were popular in Germany at one point. Yeah, until they weren't anymore. Until they weren't anymore. <laughs> no, and they were popular elsewhere too, I guess. Charlie yeah, Chaplin. The Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin's what you're talking yeah, about, Yeah, Charlie course. Chaplin. That's what you mean. Yeah, that's what I meant. So um, it, it takes a little bit more time to prep when we have a guest as far as research and that sort of thing. We want to be well prepared as we make our, continue to make, I, well, I was going to say our, but I guess it's mine after the last episode, as I set out to prove stuff that the 1980s was objectively awesome. And you said, well, not objectively for you. You still, you, maybe you don't think we need to prove it. You disagree uh, with the objective part. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's any doubt. Oh, I see. Okay. So anyway, we're switching things up a little bit, but um, don't worry. We're still going to be here. So with that said, nobody's here today except each other, and we're still going to talk about 80s awesomeness, starting with 80s news. Okay, so um, a couple of things I wanted to touch base with you that are related to the 1980s and continue to prove the enduring awesomeness of 1980s pop culture. One, the I guess I think it's the final trailer, certainly a real trailer. I think maybe the final. It's certainly a real trailer. Yeah, I think it was the first official trailer. Oh, maybe it's first. I knew something official about it. Yeah. Okay. So for Doctor Sleep came out, and Doctor Sleep is the sequel, based on the, it's a it's a it's based on a Stephen King book of the same name, which is a sequel to his book The Shining. So you know, for us 1980s nerds, of course, we talked about with um, 
Greg Fiketic how the 19, uh, 1980s had some awesome horror movies, including The Shining. Yes, The Shining is a classic. And this follows along with um, any sequel. Uh, I prefer those to remakes. Sure. So even if it's set way down the road, a, re- uh, a sequel to The Shining would be so much cooler than like those crappy remakes they just did of The Shining where it sucked. Is that that one, that TV one with the guy from Wings? Yes, that thing was garbage. Yeah, although Stephen King, I think, said he liked it more, or it was more more faithfully adapted to his book. I agree, well, it wasn't, that, wasn't well, very that's good. That's what he said, but... But he had to say that. <laughs> he yeah, what what is he going to say? It sucks! <laughs> it's like when Aykroyd was talking about that Ghostbusters reboot. I mean, oh, he but, said that was a good movie, yeah. so Hey, I, I well, don't I, believe him. I thought it was fine, it was fine. I didn't like it. Yeah, no. But anyways, back yeah. to The Shining. So, so Doctor, yeah. So The Shining used to just. When, when did you first see The Shining? Was it in the nineteen eighties? Oh, it was definitely in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Was um, it one that you saw too young? Like some. Oh, of the, oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely too young. But um, love the movie. I have. I've watched it many times over the years. It still holds up as a good movie. So when you're watching the trailer, obviously, I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Is that Ewan?" Is, oh. that, is that him? Okay, is so you didn't really, know. Is he going to play Danny? Right. And then I'm like, okay, this thing's got hope now, because so, they got a real actor to play grown-up Danny. Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. yeah. Right. So how could this movie be bad? Right. They didn't get the actual actor who played Danny, who's not an actor anymore. I think that might have been the only thing he ever did, actually. Yes. Well, he probably did not grow up to look like Ewan McGregor either, so. <laughs> well, that's, so yes, I could say that. Sure, 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 sure. But it looks like it's going to be good. Yes, I agree. And it's cool because and part of it is that he returns to the Overlook Hotel. Yes, and so there's some flashbacks in there and stuff in that trailer that uh, it looks like it's just going to be a cool movie. Right. So I'm going to give that the thumbs up. Awesome. Yeah, it came out in 1980, and um, I think I didn't... Well, a couple things. One, I remember... Hmm, it came out in 1980, so I'm trying to remember what movie I would have seen in 1980, but I do remember going to the movies, and maybe even the drive-in movies with my parents... And seeing the trailer for The Shining, and I'm pretty sure, because this is how it's burned in my memory, the trailer has the blood coming out of the elevator, that scene where all the blood's pouring out of the elevators. I have to look it up just hmm. to be sure. But anyway, that haunted me. It must be, because that haunted me for a while. Like, I didn't even <laughs> want to go to the movies to see, you know, movies, because trailers frightened me at that point, because you could know anything, could show anything. Yeah, as a kid, the uh, going in the room with the woman, yes, that part's frightening. Yeah. Because, you know, you're watching, you're like, yeah. Something good's about to happen. And then it just goes all wrong. (laughs) Yes. That's just horrible. Yeah. So that's what stuck with me. Yeah. And I I probably saw it too young, too, but I think it was probably like on Betamax or something like that. Yeah, that thing was on cable like every two minutes when cable first came out. You know, you remember when you just pushed the button whenever a movie was showing? Yeah, that's right. The box that had like two buttons or three buttons. Yeah. Look, The Shining's on again. Cool. Yes. You know, we didn't have cable where I lived for a long time. I think everyone else in the country had it, it seemed like. <laughs> and maybe it was because I lived in a city, it was harder to get to. But yeah, somehow I saw it. We had, what we had was my my, fr- my dad had this friend. I'm going to say he seemed like a shady friend only because... Well, you're supposed to do this when you say friend. friend. Well, they were really... Fr- I'm raised doing air quotes. Um, yeah, he was actually it. a friend. I'm, under, I'm underlining. <laughs> as yeah, if you're it's underlining. Real. He was a real friend, but he, he was, I don't know. So he was, he, he was a good friend, and he actually introduced my dad to a lot of technology because um, my dad was way into technology, so he knew about it from this friend. Um, but that friend would drop off like every Friday night like a stack of Betamax tapes that were, you know, labeled with different movies. And it didn't occur to me two years later that these are all bootlegs, of course. 
you know? Um, and so I think that's probably how I saw The Shining. Because that's how we saw most of my movies was a copy of another movie. Yes, which we don't do anymore because that's yes, illegal. that's bad, mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> it is funny to me that they still have those warnings, you know? Uh, the piracy warnings? Yeah. Even on a movie like Pirates of the Caribbean where it's about yeah. pirates? <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I watching? They edit yeah. all the pirates out? Yeah, because it's like, if you were going to copy something and sell it, you're not paying attention. Is there anybody about to press record or something? It's like, oh, they, uh, you know what? Man, this warning. Now I'm considering <sighs> the consequences of my actions, where heretofore mm-hmm. I had not. So I'm looking forward to seeing Dr. Sleep. Yep, but that's on the radar. The other thing I wanted to mention to you was, I've been waiting for this for months now to come out, is the Dark Crystal prequel, Age of Resistance, finally dropped on Netflix. Have you checked any of it out? I did watch the first episode. Yeah, me too. And immediately after no seeing it, I'm not doing any spoilers, but I'm just going to say the puppets look amazing. They look just like they did back in the 80s. Yeah. So I did have to look it up. Oh, I've been re- resisting that. I did to see if there was CGI involved. Yeah. And it says they are real puppets sure. with practical effects with CG help. Yeah. Yeah, it does look mostly. You couldn't. So, you don't know what's well, what, though. I'm assuming the backgrounds are what they yeah, CG, probably, because the puppets look exactly like they did in the '80s. Yeah. Yes. And what's interesting to me is you can't. I couldn't. I know there's like a behind the scenes thing you can watch. Is that what you watched? Mm, no, I just Googled. Oh, oh. Were there were there real is, puppets? It, was there CGI oh, in okay. the show? Yeah. That's what I Googled because I was yeah. like, this looks really good. Yeah. And it looks just like I remember. So I wonder if they cheated and CGI'd this thing. But Henson's name's all over. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Um, yep, no, it's real puppets. And, yeah, there's some little elements that seem like, well, that's got to be CGI. But what I what I thought was interesting is I can't tell the scale of these puppets. You know, they could be <laughs> six, seven, like those Skeksis. They could be seven feet tall or, you know, three feet tall. Obviously, the way they build the sets, et cetera, you don't know. I remember in the original, because as a kid, I watched the behind the scenes for that when it was available, I guess. Where they showed them, and they were like full-size costumes, you know, with the puppeteers inside them or, you know. They're probably big. Yeah. That'd be my guess. They're big because a person's inside of it moving things. Yeah. But then the little guys, they got to Yeah, those are something. (laughs) (laughs) The downside for me with this is that I know the twist at the end. Yes. So the prequel for me is hard to watch because I know where it goes at the end. Well, see, that's why I'm, I'm confused. So maybe this is, this is only a spoiler for the first Dark Crystal. So if you haven't seen that, you've had, whatever, 35 years or something to watch it. But when this one starts out, within the first few minutes, you know, they explain a little history. And as I'm watching the history, I thought, Isn't, did they retcon this history? Because I thought the deal with the Dark Crystal was because of the crack or how it breaks— um, that's when we get the split between the Skeksis and the, 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 the little dude, the good guy, wizard yeah. types, where they were one kind of creature first. So when you say the twist, you think at the end, yes, they're gonna, that's what I'm talking they're about, merge where together. they come back together. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I didn't want to give the spoiler for all our younger <laughs> fans, but yeah, that's, that's, they had time. But once again, that's my problem with all prequels. Uh, right. You already know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. So the prequel is kind of pointless. Right. If you're going to do that story, you should have done it first. Yeah. So quit being lazy and write the next one. Right. Yes, we have some, I guess I could see this without giving spoilers. We have some superhero movies that are coming out that are prequels for characters that we know what their ultimate fate is. I'm like, I don't know that I care. Yeah, that's like the Han Solo movie. Oh, yeah. Or like Han Solo. That's, you're right. I, I, that's know where example. I know where he's going. I don't need you to hand feed me how he got the dice and yeah. where he got his name and 
how could that all happen in one little section of his life? And yeah. it's just like, yeah. But also the threat since, I mean, look, when you're a kid, ultimately you realize the good guy never dies, essentially, you know, in a Hollywood film. Supposed to not do. You know, in a, in a art, more artsy film that can happen. But when you're a kid, ultimately you, first you feel danger, like something bad can happen to the character you love. And then ultimately you realize, okay, there's a formula to this. But it, uh, if that said, there's something about knowing how your character ends up that takes away some kind of tension. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. A good writer will take you on that journey where you're scared for your hero, yep. but eventually the hero wins, which is what we want. And we knew all along he was going to win, but they write it in a way that makes you feel compelled to be like, ah, this is going really bad right now. Yeah. This swamp get... is eating the horse. <laughs> or the droids. This is going bad. Yep. Yeah. You know. Oh, swamp's eating the horse, yeah. Oh, hey, those were both 80s movies references. <laughs> I'm good at that. You know, I'm going to have to send you a link to the uh, distracted nerd who, you know, who does those summary videos. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just recently watched his never ending story one. For some reason, never ending story was popping up all over the place and it is hilarious. And he does something hilarious when Atreus horse (laughs) is getting eaten by the swamp. He makes it funny because he says, you know, how tragic it is. Yeah. Um, That said, I also watched his dark crystal summary and didn't realize how dark and scary i mean i knew it was kind of creeped me out as a kid but there's some moments in it which are like horrifying for a kid to see yeah that's a that's a pretty dark story that's that's why it's called dark crystal and not the happy crystal (laughs) because it would have been more like that movie trolls that came out recently if it was called the happy crystal or or like crystal light yeah it it wouldn't have been as good it would have been about sugar or, yeah, it's technically it's not even a kids movie in my opinion. But. Yeah, it is. I was thinking that the other wondering that the other day, like who I don't remember who it was marketed to in the eighties, but my parents were like, "Hey, it's a Henson thing. Let's <laughs> yeah. go see it." Yeah, it's like he said, "I really want to make movies for adults, but I don't have any acting skills or writing skills other than for puppets." Is that is that? Are you paraphrasing? <laughs> yeah, I'm just making that up. Oh, okay. as if it was real. Well, you, you might be onto something. I, I mean, you it's know, you don't know because yeah, nobody knows because he gone. Yeah. Died of a cold, yeah. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was the 80s news, I think. Sorry, Jim. We love you, buddy. We miss you. So this, there's no segue, I think, into our uh, topic today. Well, if there mm. was, yeah. it would be oh, yeah. it would be Hank Williams Jr. singing, Are You Ready for Some Football? Okay, you reminded me of a possible, uh, even different segue. Okay, can I try to try to do this? Sure. Okay, because we're talking 1980s pop culture, and today we're going to be talking about football. Actually, this brings me to my sort of threshold question for you. Are sports part of pop culture? Of course. Okay, that was, yeah, sure, why not? And um, I could encompass all sports to prove that, but today we're only going to focus on football. Yes. All right, because I'm going to save all that other juicy stuff, because I got some good stories for those, too. But today we're going to focus on football and how it affected the 80s pop culture. So I got, a, I got something for you because you, you reminded me when you mentioned Hank Williams. Um, Junior. See if you, Hank Williams. Yes, Junior. Bo, Bo Cephas. Okay, Bo Cephas. Talking about football players in the 1980s, I have got a country song for you that I want to play. And you see if All you right. can tell, this came out in 1980. See if you can tell me which legendary football player sing, sang this. I never really had a friend to talk to. Well, my first guess was going to be Frank Gifford. Okay. Because that is a good guess. I think he sang some stuff back then. Yeah. But was he was he still playing in the 80s? Uh, no, he was in the announcer's okay. booth. This guy was still playing until, I think, 83. Wow. So he... Oh, Terry Bradshaw? There you go! Yeah. Bradshaw! I see I gave you too much information. Well, there. I'd have got it eventually okay, because of course. I'm spinning the wheels in my head right now. Like, yes, right, I can I know them. Bradshaw's done a couple of albums. 
Right. And um, despite being a Pittsburgh Steeler, he is one of my favorite players. <laughs> yeah. And he was actually on the Masked Singer earlier this year. Yes. That's crazy to me. Well, he's a crazy guy, so. Yeah. And still singing at his age. Okay, so there you go, football. There's me. That's my entire so, contribution, Ray. I'm going to put the microphone. Push it away. Uh, no, no. you gotta, you okay. got to have more than yes. that. Come on. I've got paper. Like you. I came yeah, with look. paper this time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't have my posty notes because I had too much to write, but okay. it is front Oh, you back, got some new sheets of paper, though. I did. I ripped them out of uh, the book where I keep our notes for future oh. shows because I couldn't find any other paper to write on. So uh, if I say something that doesn't sound like it, matches sports it's because it was already on the page when i started writing <laughs> start talking about vinyl records <laughs> yeah could be anything so the first thing i want to point out about 80s football yeah and you were born in time to see 80s football yes the rules were different yes okay they didn't protect the quarterback back then like they do now okay so you could just run up like within a three steps of him grab him and just throw him on the ground right break him in half but back then, the quarterback got back up. He didn't cry like a baby and say his clavicle was broken like Nick Foles did this week. He just got back up and played some more. So that's the first thing. I, and spear tackling. Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. That's when you run full tilt. All right, this is what I used to do as a kid. Jump into the air yep. and just launch your helmet right into okay. them to yep. knock them down. You could still do that in the 80s. Yeah, see, when we played touch football as kids, that was what I did. Because I knew a little strategy. Or, I didn't watch football. I would just run as fast as I could because I had speed and just dive. And you would go ahead first. Well, arms first, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Sometimes it worked the, out. The spear, yes. Yeah, so yeah I didn't have a helmet, so. You use your helmet. <laughs> no. And running backs would do the same thing. As they come down the line, and when they went forward, they led with their head. Right. So now they've taken that out of the game. Okay, so and taking it out, how? Is it illegal now? It's not a. Some players still can do it, like a running back can tilt his head down a little bit. But most players, because of the concussion thing, yeah, they're not allowed to do it anymore. So, but their coaches aren't letting them do it. No, they or, get fines from the oh, NFL okay. so it's and penalties. It's to prevent prevent concussions. Sure, but I'll tell you right now, give me a helmet. Yeah, you can. And the fine. money they make, and I'll take three concussions a season for what they make. <laughs> you know, because I, they forget how much money they make to get their noodle knocked around every once in a while. Now, you know, I know this about you to be true, because we've had discussions about health just generally, and you're fine with rolling the dice, mm-hmm. but I still contend, like the day you get whatever that cephalophilanthepoly... Salmonella? Until you get sick, you'd be like, damn it, why was I, why did I do all that spear diving, spear tackling for? All I know is that I haven't been sick in like 30 years. So. You, you, but you I don't know. know that, because you never go to the doctor. <laughs> You know, I read this article, you remind me that, um, I read an article about, um, and I think, I'm trying to remember if the article was a few years old, um, yeah, it's several years old now, but this isn't my doing my research because, as you know, I don't very know very little about professional sports, but I was reading earlier today, in preparation for our talking, about how, um, this, is, this is from NFL.com, a writer named Jason Smith wrote an article about how the NFL of the 80s is barely recognizable to him, and he was talking about how, he didn't mention what you mentioned, but talking about how, like, the uh, quarterbacks had no foot game. Yes, uh, yeah, that's evident. That's something else I miss about the 80s is it was more of a loosey-goosey style of football. Quarterbacks, they dropped back. They called plays on their own. It wasn't just if a, if a quarterback came out now and had shitty footwork, he wouldn't even get drafted. Right. Their hand size is measured. Everything is done so in a technical way 
that they've made it so every quarterback was the same for a long time. Right. Back then, you could have quarterbacks who danced. <laughs> I mean, there was just, if they were a good quarterback, they let them play. So, right. yeah, I can see that where a quarterback would be back then, like, um, what is it, the, the drop back. Right. They all did it a different way back right. then. Yeah, he said he counted three steps, he counted 13 steps. Yeah, Man, yeah, that was common back then. Some of them turned their back and ran backwards. Some of them backed up backwards. And that's a fun part of football. Because I think in the 80s, you had more of a loose style of football. I see. Yeah, what he was, it's interesting that where you say it, because what he was saying was it's a bad thing in that he's looking back, you know, like we talked about with nostalgia before, that um, oftentimes you think something's great and then you take a look at it and maybe it's not as great. We contend, of course, the 1980s were awesome, even if you look back. But so maybe I'm playing a little counterpoint to your football Mm -hmm. memories here, but I like how you're saying that made it better, actually, that it was more unpredictable and fun and allowed for flair and style and more uniqueness. Yep, because if you watch every quarterback drops back the exact same way now, they throw the exact same spiral, the exact same arm motion because they're trained to do it from childhood now. They're just not quarterbacks like a, a Bradshaw. Yeah. I don't even know if he'd play in the league now the way he played. Yeah, and, and this writer, Jason Smith, also said that, um, but he was saying how because the quarterbacks didn't have any footwork, that uh, the passing game wasn't as predictable or good. So you'd have people throwing too short, too far. I disagree. It wasn't as consistent as today. I disagree because I will give you the 1983 NFL draft had four Hall of Famers in it. Elway, Kelly, Marino. Uh, Well, maybe it was only three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But they they had another one to play for the Patriots, I think. But those guys, you cannot tell me Dan Marino with Clayton and Duper. I mean, the guy set the single-season record for, I think, passing yards or whatever it was in a single season. Yeah. Or no, it was touchdowns. He set, um, in the 80s, you have, let's see here. I wrote this down. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five records broken. Okay. You have the rushing in a season. You have the receiving in a season. Receptions for catches for a career. 37 touchdowns by Marino. And then you have Walter Payton breaking the all-time rushing record. Right. So I disagree with his thing that hmm. the offenses were bad because I watched football in the 80s, and I saw a lot of, lot of good passing teams. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? Let me, let me, Ooh, and Dan Marino yep. had one of the best tans a human <laughs> being could ever have. The Isotoner glove commercials yeah, right. and the tan, just the whole persona. Right. And the 80s is when football players realized they were marketable, that they could make money outside of football – doing commercials, get the helmets off, let people see what they look like. Because, I mean, they're giants. Most of them are good looking. Right. It's not like today, like Andrew Luck looks like he got beat with a <laughs> hammer. No luck there. Hey, taking a step back, so you're saying the offense game you're saying was better. The other thing in this article well, that he— I can't say it's better okay. because the rules were different. Right. So the defenders had more leeway to hit you and grab you and just hurt you badly. Whereas now you're not allowed to touch anyone in right. the NFL. So it was more interesting, at least, to you yes. to watch it football. And the other thing he said, though, about the defense was, well, I'll say it this way. He was pointing out how, he said if, if, if running backs ran today the way they ran in the 80s, they would just eliminate the position. Because watching, he was watching an NFL game from the 80s, I can't remember which one it was, but the I know the Jets, the Jets um, trounced whoever they were playing against. In any case, he said... You saw the running back running back and forth across the field before he had an opening. Sometimes you'd be running back, you know, seven yards, and then, you know, you would lose yardage. Whereas today, you know, it's a lot quicker. And and also, he said, the defense was nowhere. Well, I disagree with that also because the 85 Bears defense would be destroying running backs in the backfield all day long. But the running back style 
the running backs were different. You have specific roles now. You have one guy on your team who's allowed to run straight up the middle. You yep. have one guy who goes out in the flat to catch the little shuffle passes. You have the other running back who lines up like a tight end and goes across the middle. Back then, a running back was responsible for doing all those things. I see. So part of their strategy was, was to roll down the line, find an opening, yep. and then try to get through it. So obviously, I'm a Bears fan from there. So Walter Payton could dance behind the line all he wanted and then just make his shoot. Once he saw that. Once he saw his opening, he would go. And if it was there, it was. If not, you just keep rolling down the line till you lose your seven yards. Interesting. And that's also a part of why it was more exciting. Yeah. You could lose seven, you could gain 40. Yeah. Whereas now, look at the stats for every running back. They gain either three yards or five yards on average, all of them across the board. Do you think part of the defense, um, again, based on this writer, what he says, uh, maybe their lack of responsiveness, the Bears being one of the outstanding exceptions, the 85 Bears, being that they had to wear more padding then, so they, they were less flexible, uh, they were heavier. You know, you had everything padded back then. Well, I'll put Lawrence Taylor in front of this guy and see if he can outrun him in full pads. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. There's another. Or Mike Singletary or any of these 80s guys with that gigantic amount of equipment and see if you can outrun them yeah because i don't think you could have yeah because they were scary individuals oh sure well yeah especially to a regular human normal sized (laughs) human exactly and they just had that those beady eyes and they were scary so yeah so yep yeah let's take a look at some of the facts about football back then okay? okay now jim mcmahon yes the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Did you know that? I didn't know he was the greatest. He, he is. is. Okay. He's also was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. No kidding. I should know that. You know, I you know what? You say that and he may that may be I could name three bears to you. Yeah. And and he's one of them. And maybe that's why. Well, not only well, let's say in eighty five everybody was a Bears fan. It Correct. seemed. Unless you were probably a Steelers fan or someone well, one of those I was franchises. A Browns fan, but I became a Bears fan because of the team. Right. Which we all did. Yeah. You couldn't escape it. Yeah. So I don't know if, if some of those more diehard franchises maybe would still, you know, not like the Bears. But I was a Bears fan. So I knew three Bears. You know, yeah. so Jim McMahon, maybe I knew him so well because of that. I don't remember. I'm from Jersey City, which is why Ray points that out. But yeah, uh, yeah, I forgot to point that out at the beginning of the, yeah. the comment. But yes, he's from Jersey City. So right there, you should love him. Okay. There you go. So more I mean, to love. I, I could, I'm going to continue the argument anyways. Yeah. As a kid, he stabbed himself in the eye with a fork. <laughs> so he's partially blind in one eye. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. That's why he wears the sunglasses. I was going to say, yeah. Is that why? Yeah. Yep. So he's a yeah. half-blind quarterback who leads a team to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you would, again, to your point earlier, you wouldn't have that today. He wouldn't no. make it out of the draft. Yeah. He wouldn't be drafted. Yeah. He would have just went to Canada like Hallis told him to at practice one oh. day. <laughs> but uh, he would eat pizza on the sideline. They told him he had to wear a collar on the plane for the travel, so he got him a priest outfit to wear on the plane. <laughs> He just did everything he could think of. When they introduced him to the media, after he was drafted, he got out of the car with a beer and walked into the media. <laughs> this is so, all of this is like the epitome of the 80s. This is, could only happen in 80s football. Yeah. But like he told his team, doesn't matter what you do during the week. If we went on Sunday, you yeah. know, anything you want the rest of the week. Right. But then, you know, when you have Walter Payton and guys like that on your team in their fridge, just yeah. larger than life personalities... And Buddy Ryan's 46 defense. Now, normally, a defense is named for how many linemen are on the line and how many linebackers are behind them. Like a 3-4 would be three linemen, four linebackers. The 46 defense is actually named after a person, Hmm. not 
the line. It's six guys behind them, but they're not all linebackers. Some of them are safeties. And the guy's name was, let me see if I can find it here, Doug Plank. Oh, okay. He was the Bears' strong safety that would come up into a linebacker position, and his number was 46. Oh, okay. So that is the reason Buddy Ryan called it the 46 defense, because he pulled him up to play linebacker from safety. Right. So, once again, very deceptive and yeah. very cool. And more fun. And more fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the greatest quarterback to ever play, bar none. Half blind, small, never slid like quarterbacks do now always went in head first he did get hurt real bad a couple of times but, <laughs> but he, that's 80s yeah and he was always bugging the commissioner getting in trouble just wearing goofy outfits at practice yeah i, I picture him with a boa on for some reason father boa i i don't know and sunglasses the, that could be him but yeah the only one that even comes close would be joe namath as far as showmanship as off far, the field? yeah broadway joe sure. so he's close and then Baker Mayfield's got a little bit of it now, but I don't think he could get away with as much as McMahon did in the 80s. He's not going to show his butt to a plane flying by a practice. <laughs> and yeah. is it, the, the team management ownership just locks that down. In contracts, you probably have morality clauses now, so you yes. can't do certain things, you get fined or And I think um, unlike Baker and guys like Favre and all those guys who are a little crazy, they care more that people like them. And McMahon didn't care if anybody liked him because he liked himself so much. I see. So... He would do anything he wanted. So uh, so the Bears are rolling along that season, right? Then week 13, the Dolphins come to town. Yes. It's mm. the only game he didn't play that year. Oh, you're kidding. He was out from an injury the previous week. The only game they lost was week 13. I didn't. So I know about the famous loss there. You know, they almost went undefeated. Yep. Um, they almost had a perfect season and an undefeated record because they won the Super Bowl ultimately. But, oh, you remind me of something. Okay. Yes. So let me take you back to now the 1980s. A team with the potential for an undefeated season. Their only one loss coincides with the recording of a pop song. They ultimately go on to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you name the song? That would be the Super Bowl Shuffle. That's not what I was thinking. This is what <laughs> this is the one I was thinking about. What? What is this garbage? The 49ers? The year before the Super Bowl shuffle, the 49ers recorded a disco song. Yes, they were the ones who knocked the Bears out of the trip to the Super Bowl the year before. So. And they had the same situation. They were 15-1, and one, they win the Super Bowl, and they recorded a terrible song. Except for the shuffle is not a terrible song. It was definitely popular. It reached number 41 on the charts. So that what makes was it, it the chart of? <laughs> the chart of bad the, songs. No, the top 40 no. chart. Yes. And it I, raised yes. $300,000 for charity. I re, well, you're right. I do remember hearing it on the radio all of the time and being excited to hear about yes. it. And the video. Oh, no, don't turn on that video. Oh, so good. I, I, I tried watching the video this morning. I mean, see, if, but even before you get to them, they're terrible dancing. Uh, you have a guy pretending to play the drums. You know, it's not, yeah. it's, obviously it's all electronic instruments. <laughs> Guys pretending to play the drums, the bass, they, that's terrible. It doesn't match with the music. It's, it's tough to watch. I think the video is tough to watch. I, I don't think you've watched it enough times. Well, not in the last, yeah, 30 years. I watched it once this morning, and I couldn't get through it. It's seven. That's like, it's five and a half minutes long, I think. You think every player gets to sing. <laughs> it's, it's bad. And you know what? It's funny that I would even like it, because I was such a fan of hip-hop by then, that I knew it was kind of a gimmicky thing. But you're right. At the time, I remember being yeah, a fan. Number 41 on the charts. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. that says something. It I don't know if it say says something. it. It's a good song yeah. so much as something else. But 
Mm-hmm. So here, I got I got some of that for t- the Super Bowl Shuffle too. For you. There we go. Ray's mouthing the words. He knows the lyrics here. <laughs> I told you, it's a good song. I should skip ahead to some of the rap and see if you, how much you could hang in there for. Uh, I probably could do quite a bit of it, probably, because, like I said, that's the greatest team to ever play football, and they're okay. from the 80s. Yep. But you also have the Dog Pound, which okay. came out of Cleveland. Right. And Arsenial did the barking on his show. Right. So there's your crossover into pop culture. Right. The, uh, the barking thing there. became huge. So you're saying it began in the, in the Cleveland Browns stadium. Yes, and it's what, from the Dog then, Pound. From but you know but, but I'm confused and part maybe our listeners okay well too. all right at the, at the old Brown Stadium but is the dog the dog pound which well, Arsenio called his the dog pound too right or the well okay the, at okay. the old stadium yep. the one end zone had a chain link fence right and the section behind that was called the dog pound right so when teams came to town they would um, make them practice on you know, warm up on that end and the fans would throw like snowballs and batteries and half drank beers <laughs> at the players. It sounds just, more like a Philly crowd. And they would start dressing, and they started barking. And then all of a sudden, they started dressing like dogs. Yeah. So eventually, uh, <laughs> this is funny, too, because Sam, who was the coach in Cincinnati at the time, yeah. um, there was a big snowball thing going on one year in the, in the late 80s. And their fans started throwing snowballs at the other team from their version of the dog pound. Not as cool, but. Okay. So he comes out, he grabs a mic, and he goes, you're not from Cleveland. We don't throw stuff like that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, the only time I've ever been to a Cleveland game, I think, it was against the, it was against the Bengals my, with my wife because she's from Cincinnati. So we wore Bengals. It's, look, this is the last time I'll ever go to a Browns game. <laughs> we wore Bengals gear because I just – actually, I just started dating my future wife. And we were accosted immediately and throughout the whole game, and it was oh, terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, Browns fans are really nasty to people who wear the opposing team's jersey. The only saving grace for me during the game was my wife, my girlfriend at the time, never said, are you going to let him say that to us? Because <laughs> I would have been, yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I would not advise you coming to Cleveland and wearing your Cincinnati or your, your, your black and gold. So or, Arsenio Hall's folks in the 90s started doing the woot, woot, woot. Arsenio is from Cleveland. Oh, okay. okay. So, that's where, that's, where, uh, yeah, that's where you're doing it. Okay. So he, on his show, started right. to do the bark. Right. And then it just blew up and got really big. Well, you know, speaking of the Browns, you remind me, and I'm sure you're, you're planning on touching upon this. When I was reading about highlights from the 1980s, a highlight of oh, the 1980s oh, please, football, please, highlight. Please, please be what I got right Is here. the drive. John Elway's drive. Now, that's a highlight for everybody else. <laughs> It's a low time for the Cleveland Browns. Can you explain what the drive is? The drive is when John Elway cheated us out of a win. Oh. That's pretty much what it sums up to. He got the ball, and then somehow, I don't know if the <laughs> refs cheated us or... <laughs> this is a Cleveland Browns fan. Something or other happened really bad, yep. and he went down the field and scored, and the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. Right. And their reward was getting their ass handed to them in the Super Bowl, <laughs> which is that's their different that's their just dessert. <laughs> they got what's coming. I thought you were going to bring up the cardiac kids. No. So, and just one quickly about the drive. So what I read was, <laughs> in five minutes and two seconds, Elway led his team 98 yards in 15 plays to tie the game with 30 seconds left in regulation and then go on to win it with a 38-yard 30 year, 30 year, 30 field goal. 
Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just bring up the fumble too? While you're at <laughs> oh, it? I forgot about the fumble. <laughs> What's the fumble? The fumble. Oh, that's um. Uh, that's when Max getting ready to go in for the game-winning touchdown, and it like the ball gets knocked out of his hands the last second, and we just lose. But that was not in the eighties. Oh yeah. Oh, it was. It's like the next year. Oh, how could you? How is that not on your paper? <laughs> oh, wait a second. This is this is a uh, biased. Once this is again, not objective. No, I'm a Browns fan, so I have the cardiac kids on here with Brian Sipe in the early eighties. Okay. Fourteen times in two seasons. Yeah. They came back with two minutes left to win the game. That's how they got their nickname, the Cardiac Kids. Cardiac Kids. And what year was this, you said? Uh, early oh, 80s. Okay, early 80s. Early, it's got to be like 81, 80-ish in there. You know, They actually had a song, too. Oh, no. It was the 12 Days of Christmas, but it was all Browns players. Oh, okay. I've heard of this. Yes. I've never actually heard it, gratefully. I'm going to have to dig it out, and I'll let you hear it. I I've probably have it on 45 at the house. Yeah. Because you know, that's how music came out back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just got a lot of colorful characters from the 80s that made football fun. I wanted to mention one thing. This is, You remind me, talking about New Jersey, that, again, I wasn't... Birth, birthplace of the greatest quarterback ever. Yes, That's how I you will, should say it from now on. From now on, I'm going to look... When I return to New Jersey on a visit, I'm going to see if I can find any memorial, the, a statue, statue yes. something to Jim McMahon. But you remind me that when I was a kid again. Now, I'm not a sports fan today, really. You know, I play in your fantasy league, but that's crunching numbers. But um, in the 80s, I didn't watch any sports. Certainly not football, but... My mom, I remember, this has got to be in the mid-80s, took me shopping for a winter coat, and most of the coats were those football jack, oh, uh, football oh, coats yeah. Oh, yeah. with a hood that zipped down the middle and opened up like uh, the Demogorgon in uh, mm-hmm. Stranger Things. I don't know anything about teams. My mom just picks out a Houston Oilers <laughs> jacket. Now, I don't remember what year it is, but just for just to check me on this, I looked up the, the Oilers seat record for like from like 80, 80 through, you know, 86, when I would have been in elementary school. Always upside down by a lot. Yeah, they played in the Browns division back then. I think their best record was like 5-11, 5-11. Well, they had Warren Moon, though, great quarterback. You know, so I went to school with kids that were Steelers, Dallas fans, and I think one one kid I remember he had a, a Dolphins. I don't remember if it was he had it after the Forty ers or, or the the Bears game, but he had it. Dolphins. He was all safe. I had Oilers. I was <laughs> terrorized, picked on, and I didn't know why. I just didn't understand why. It had nice colors, etc., uh, etc. Et <laughs> that's funny. Uh, anyway, that's my that's my football from the eighties experience. Nice. So, did we prove anything today? We did. We proved beyond a shadow of a doubt. That Jim McMahon is the greatest quarterback <laughs> to ever play in the NFL. Okay. And he played in the 1980s mostly. Wow. This was like a twist ending. You didn't see that coming, I did, did you? not see that coming. Nope. No. All right. Well, that's I, how I like it. I guess we'll, and then we'll talk to you later, right? On the Idiots. See ya. See ya.